0: Vloggers, welcome back to another episode of the Backlog Breakdown. You were thinking it's what, September, uh, this might come out in October, who knows when this will come out, it's towards the end of the year. Bet you didn't know that today, for your ears only, it's St. Patrick's Day, because today we have on a special <laughs> guest with, oh, you oh. liked that, that's awesome. Uh, that's good. <laughs> I'm here to stomp some snakes, let's go. Yes! <laughs> I like it. What? He was Italian, right? um and then just uh
1: irish uh, i think i'm not i'm neither of the irish
0: okay yeah oh yeah you're right there you go and then half mexican but you can't tell because i'm the whitest (laughs) out of all my parents kids anyways uh my name is josh my co-host is nate here's he's here too he doesn't laugh at my jokes because my jokes are bad um but Uh, no no i don't you're terrible He's not a dad yet. He'll get it soon, okay? Well, we're looking forward to that time. Uh, But we also have on a special guest, Mr. Patrick Miller. Uh, You are indeed a saint, good sir. Thank you for taking the time uh, to chat it up with us and – I'm excited for some of the stuff, even even just talking a little bit beforehand. Uh, you know, uh, post technical issues that I was having. Um, I'm loving some of the stuff that I'm hearing so far, and of course, stuff on Twitter. I've heard you on other podcasts. So, so excited for the night. Uh, ho- I hope you are too. I hope you're not too deflated by. Uh, <laughs> everything. That's I'm, happened so, I'm far. so pumped
1: to be here. I, I never, I never get to talk about video games uh, in a serious way or not frequently in a serious way. And mm-hmm. I think what you guys are doing on this podcast is needed and it's thoughtful. And I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited that there's people like you out there that are trying to have this conversation because it's not happening in other places. Well, it's happening in other places, just not frequently enough, not loudly enough. And so my prayer is that God continues to use what you guys are doing and what's happening inside of your community, even if it's, you know, a, a small community right now to continue to expand that and grow that because there's a lot of young men, young women who want to think Christianly about video games. And so this is so important,
0: man. Man, you just made my day.
2: I feel, I feel, I feel special. <laughs> I, I don't know.
0: Like, don't worry, <laughs> Nate, you are special.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't like that reference. Um, <laughs> oh man that makes me that makes me no that's thanks man uh that's that's pretty high praise uh i don't i don't respond to praise well like i think (laughs) that's just that That sort of like that east coast like yankee thing like i don't know what to do with that um i'm just you just
1: say thanks and move on
2: yeah Mm -hmm. i'm like okay cool thanks (laughs) so (laughs) that's awesome um, but uh yeah we we uh and and we'll get into this here in, in a little bit here. But a while ago, I came across one of your tweets. I really liked it. And I started interacting with you a little bit. And that's when we started sort of talking about maybe having you on an episode. And I'm just excited that you're here, man. Cause uh that like I've since that Twitter sort of exchange, I've been following you. I've sort of caught up on some of the stuff you've, you know, you I listened to that episode of uh, is it redeeming productivity with Reagan Rose? Yeah. Yeah. And uh that you were on that. And I I really enjoyed that, I really enjoyed that conversation that you guys had. And so I'm just I'm excited that there, you know, it's to find somebody out there who sort of and again when we were talking sort of before we started recording, um, I said like sort of doing that unsexy work of just uh mm-hmm. you know, because it's easy to sort of dip into like the the flashier bits and to just sort of fanboy out from time to time. And we do that, you know, but it's also sometimes like being like trying to be the adults in the room, trying operative word is not always fun. <laughs> so um, glad to have you on the show. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess though, uh, Josh, you know, I, I do have a question for you. Uh, yeah. Well, actually rather I have a, a, a little, it's, it's been. been two weeks since i talked to you. Actually, it's been an undisclosed amount of time since I talked to you. Yeah, that's but, true. Where it's, where it's been, been. So, how you been, man?
0: Since we last talked, uh, you, you know, it has not been as long as it usually is. Um, but already, there a lot has happened. It feels like um, it's been a little bit of a blur since we last talked. Um, so, funny story. This is the first time it happened, three kids in. Um, our my oldest is uh, about to be seven. Our second oldest, our, our little firecracker Josephine. Uh, after church, we were hanging out on the playground yesterday. And, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes in, it, she falls off the monkey bars and breaks her arm. So we go to urgent care and that that was the first time that, uh, we've ever had to deal with a, a broken bone, uh, in the family. But if it happened to any of our kids, she has the the highest pain tolerance and she's been a trooper through it all. It's been awesome like i'm i'm super surprised at how well she's taking i i imagine the next few months are going to be difficult for her because she won't be able to like climb on things and and you know do a lot of the things and and we also have a little two-year-old so we need to keep her away from the broken arm for now but uh yeah so so that was fun uh you know kind of wading through that and just uh I'll I'll give just a little a little anecdote is when it happened. You know, she was she was crying and I, I was actually watching her when it happened. So it's not like it was unsupervised. She was having a good time. She just she just fell off and landed a bit too hard and put her arm under her in a way that shouldn't have been. Like it wasn't mm. it wasn't too crazy. Um but you know, she's crying ouch. Um, and I look at her arm and it just looks off. It looks a little, looks a little weird. And so I'm, I'm thinking like, is something it's, it's not swollen. It's not purple. Those are the things that I'm thinking it would look like, but it didn't. Um, but it just looks a little off. And yeah, so I'm, I'm a little paranoid. Like, am I, am I just being paranoid? You know? So like second guessing myself. So I pick her up, I take her over to my wife and I'm like, is this, is this normal? Like, is this weird? You know, kind of like trying to gather my wits as well. And she's like, no, no, that's not okay. Uh, We need to go to urgent care right now. Mm. (laughs) Luckily there, there is a place right across the highway from our church. So it was, it was a quick process and, and like, she's, she's recovering really well um it's all good it's just uh it's been kind of a whirlwind you know today's a holiday and we figured that we'd take it easy but uh yeah that's well that's my life that's what it's been uh since we last talked so uh how are how you how doing?
2: doing um <laughs> i actually tweeted out about it i was so disgusted um and then <laughs> i uh i shared it in the discord but yeah uh so three or four days ago, noticed like a thumping kind of like coming from my car. And I was like, uh, and I did some Googling and I I went back and I looked at my rear tires and I didn't notice anything sort of off the top of my head. I'm like, okay, and I just, uh, and it's kind of, and I did some Googling and it was like, oh, it's probably like a CV joint or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's, but didn't like that. Um, So yesterday I was out running some errands and the knocking got like super aggressive. Like, like every time like i'm moving i'm just hearing bang bang bang, bang like this not like thump 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 And i'm like this is like starting to freak me out a little bit i noticed like the the jeep is handling a little funky and uh so i get home last night and i look at it and i'm like i'm looking at my rear driver's side tire and i'm like i'm missing two lug nuts i was like oh that's not good When I parked it and I said, well, I'll I'll deal with it tomorrow. And I go out there today and I look and I'm not missing two lug nuts. I'm missing just like two posts, like the pins that the lug nuts were attached to are no longer there. Um, And the tire was like, I went and I tightened everything. I'm going to take it to the garage probably tomorrow. My wife and I are just going to have to like do like the, the one car thing, you know, I'm going to have to take her to work. And, um, but yeah, I about stroked out when I, I saw that and it was like, I was like, "Oh, cars are awesome! No, this is super great. Uh, I'm so glad." But I mean, it, it was one of those things where, like I said, I, I tightened up the, the other three, got those snug. So I'm gonna get it down in the garage. And it was like one of those things; nothing happened. But I was just like, mm-hmm. "Like, like." But yeah, I mean, other than that, like, God's good, man. Like, it, yeah. it didn't. The the tire didn't actually come off. Uh, I am a little worried about damage to the rim, but. I'm just for now, cars are awesome, you know, and,
0: uh,
2: but, um, but yeah, but Patrick, you have never been on the show before. So instead of just filling us up or filling us in on sort of how things have been since we last talked to you, why don't you sort of take this opportunity to sort of share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, like give us like the, maybe not so quick, version of who who is patrick
1: miller Miller? yeah that that's a great question uh i i I can't wait until jesus tells me uh but until then (laughs) i'll give you the i'll give you the short version And and i'll try to make it relevant to this podcast you know i became a christian when i was 19 and uh like like a lot of guys my age i grew up playing video games loved video games uh, and like a lot of gamers, uh, hated middle school because I was miserably awkward and felt out of place. And while I played games before middle school, there was one game that I picked up called uh, final fantasy seven. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Mm. And I played the PC version, which is a, a much hated version of final fantasy seven. I didn't know that at the time. It, it was just, it was the first RPG I'd ever played in my life. I'd heard of final fantasy cause I read electronic, uh, Monthly, religiously in the school library, because I was trying to avoid where all the kids were uh, congregating in the lunchroom. And, uh, you know, I had this profound experience playing that game. I, I felt like I was surrounded by a group of friends that I really desperately wanted to have myself. I, I went through a lot of school transitions. So I think I was at three mm-hmm. different schools in three years. And so you know, that, that'll make you a little bit of a loner, especially when you're, you know, 13 and you're growing into your body and all that kind of stuff. And, You know, it was was a group of friends who were helping each other not just figure out who they were, but they were giving each other hope and they were fighting for something bigger than themselves. I mean, in the climax of the game, I mean, really the game's about survivor's guilt, in my opinion, because every character survives something awful. And is trying to wrestle with what happened in the aftermath of that, uh, whether it's you know Barrett you know selling his town out to uh, Shinra and you know having to wrestle with what happened there. But that's that's what the game's about fundamentally. And um, at the end of the game, and I know this isn't a spoiler, and the game's old, so just you know fast forward, I guess, if you're desperate to avoid that. But uh, the main character says, "We're not going to go do this final fight until you find your reason for why you're fighting." And every character explains from their story arc essentially how they got over this survivor's guilt and why they were fighting for the sake of the planet. And each, each, each answer was different. And, and I bring that up because when, when I became a Christian when I was 19, um, I, I was in a deeply depressive Place. I, I was I was lost, and I didn't know why I wanted to live. I mean, just it didn't make any sense to me. I, I, I you know, it's it's kind of a, a lame story. There was a girl, and she cheated on me, and all that kind of nonsense. Mm. And but she was my life. She was my existence at the time. And and you know, when I lost her, I thought there's no purpose here. And then God surrounded me with this group of Christian friends I did not mean to have. And you know, in my darkest moment, my literal darkest moment. I, one of those friends called me on the phone and it was really a phone call from God where he was waking me up and saying, hey, maybe there is no purpose to life. Because I mean, I was just like, we're on a pale blue dot floating through the middle of the universe. So if I if I end, if my life's over, it doesn't matter because in a hundred years, no one will remember me. And if I'm this miserable, why should I keep going? I mean, what's the purpose of it? And this friend called me to said, hey, I just, I feel like something's wrong. What's going on? And through those friendships that God gave me, it drew me to himself. You know, he really, you know, Jesus with flesh on, he really came to me through those people and he gave me my reason for living, my reason for existing. And of course that's him and the ultimate hope that sin and, and evil and destruction and everything that's ripping apart our world really isn't the end of the story, that there's A greater end to the story that Jesus has, uh, you know, accomplished the final victory and will return again. And that's the story that I found my life in. And so, you know, it's kind of funny reflecting on this game that had a profound uh, impact on me as as a kid and how that game, Mm -hmm. in a sense, I mean, I didn't think about the game in the moment, but I can reflect on it and say, wow, that same story repeated itself in my own life. And that speaks in my mind, not just to the power of games, but to the reality that we all live in stories and that God is the greatest Mm -hmm. storyteller and He has a he has a role, a role for every person. You know, he's got a role for us all to play in that. And what a profound gift that is. So that, that that's a little bit of my background. I mean, right now, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm a podcaster, I'm an author, I'm a writer. Uh, I do mostly cultural commentary. I write a lot about technology. Uh, so social media, the metaverse, Web3, and video games are something that I, I care about as a, as a medium of art as well. Um, and, and something I've had a hard time writing, I, I write in a lot of different magazines and places, they don't want me to write about this topic, which I find really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I've tried, trust me. I've, I've, I've thrown the pitches out. It's like, eh, no, I'm not really sure about yeah. this one. You know, you, you really want to go down the gamer route, man? I'm like, yes, I do. I really do. Uh, so, so that's a little bit of, of my my background. The, uh, the podcast uh, that I do is called Truth Over Tribe. It's mostly cultural commentary, okay. but we talk a lot about technology, metaverse, some of that stuff. We, we haven't talked a ton about uh, games on there. Uh, but that's, that's, that's kind of my, my thing. So there's my, there's my, that wasn't, that wasn't short. I said it was going to be short. It wasn't short, but there's, there's my background.
2: I, I think you're sort of fitting right into, that. Uh, you've probably, you know, <laughs> you did say you've listened to the podcast. So there's a tagline that sort of comes out that uh, we are really good at being bad at brevity. Um, so you're, you're just, you're, you're, Me too. you're feeling our vibe, man. You're feeling our vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, like I said, uh, awesome. I had. Engage with that those tweets and uh it's just been uh yeah i'm I'm excited about tonight and it's it's been a pleasure so far to get to know you a little bit tonight so um yeah man we're glad to have you here on the show um pleasure to be here pleasure to meet you guys yeah um it's it's time josh i think there's there's another sort of the forms must be followed it's time uh, for uh a little bit of a backlog report. Oh, could. a
0: report. Yeah. I've got my report here. And get all the things just to report on.
2: The most technical fully work. Things oh just to report on. So much good radio, much wow. <laughs> um, Patrick, since you are our guest, why don't you go first and just sort of fill us in on a little bit of what you've been playing, what you've been reading, you know, what you've been watching. Yeah. Kinda it's doesn't have to be anything too profound, but whatever you got, man, whatever you got.
1: So I, I'll, I'll, I'll pick one thing. And if you want to press in more, we can. I, I actually just finished up live a live or is it live alive or is it live alive? No mm. one knows because there's <laughs> truly it's, it's, it's an unknown. I think it's live a live personally. I, I, I'm I'm kind of a retro gamer, and that game never came out in the West. And they remade it in the 2D HD style, which I am a massive fan of. I've played every 2D HD game. I will play every 2D HD game. And what's fascinating is like this 90. It's a it's a remake of a 90s game that was incredibly experimental in its own time, and today it still feels experimental and modern. It's wow. really charming. Uh, it's it's unique. You know, you you play as all these different little lives in the game. And, uh, each, each era, they're from different times. Each era is, is, is unique, like totally unique. I mean, the, the, the combat mechanics kind of function the same in each one, but it's so cool how each era is, is very different. And it makes sense because each era was directed by a different person. The stories were written by different people. And, and, and it's, I mean, I, again, I could could go on for a long time about it, but I mean, it's, 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 it's a fabulous game. It's going to be my game of the year. I can already tell Hmm. you that. Wow. It's, it's it's not getting enough conversation. I don't think it's sold very well, which is really unfortunate. But if you haven't picked up Live a Live, I, I would just give it high, high, high marks.
2: Well, I think, like, I know Logan from TRG has been, like, sort of beating that drum as well. And, uh, mm-hmm. like, some of the the podcasts that I listen to uh, gaming related, like the people who have played it have just said like nothing but good things. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be I'm not sure it's going to be like a commercial success. It's probably going to be more of a critical darling. But I mean, even hearing you talk about it, it's like that's one more sort of like nail in the coffin. Like eventually, like it's it's on my uh, list of things to pick up and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You, you've you you've will reading- not be disappointed by this game. <laughs>
2: Okay. I, I I, don't think I will. Like, I, I think, yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. And even hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, sounds it's, cool. It's
1: easy. It's not a hard game. It's an easy game. It's a charming game. It's, I, I would describe it as almost like uh, e- each story can be done in about an hour to like at a max three hours, usually about two hours. And okay. so it's almost like a little uh, nighttime story, you know, before you go to bed, mm-hmm. you could, you could, you could read through the whole story um and yet despite only being two hours in fact i think the compactness forces them to have a real heart in each story that that comes out and 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 again each character is really unique the game plays i i i want to describe it but i feel like i'm going to spoil it so i'm not going to say anything more
0: Mm.
2: yeah Uh, you've been reading or watching anything that's like i mean there's that's that's worth sharing or
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'm uh I'm, I'm not much of a tv watcher uh my 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 digital entertainment format really is probably video games uh, mm-hmm. i'm a voracious reader so um right now I'm, I'm reading a book called when narcissism comes to the church by chuck Degroat. it's been a really good book i really enjoyed that um i i'm also a big sci-fi fan my favorite sci-fi author is a unknown guy his name is gene wolf and so i'm reading a book by him uh You've probably never Gene heard Wolf of him, is. but you know, who Gene Wolfe is. I know who Gene Wolfe is. Yeah. Okay. Do you hate Gene? He's you kind of, no, you no. kind of hate him or you love him.
2: <laughs> no dude. It's, he borders on sort of like the new weird absurdism that I, I really like. Like he's oh. cause he, um, was it the, is it the executioner's apprentice?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the the torturer's apprentice. His most That's famous one, series, is what you're yeah. describing, which is the 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 series is called "The Earth of the New Sun," and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of peripheral series around it. I'm I'm now in the third peripheral series, but it's you know it's the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's 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 an it's an intentionally obtusely written book, and so you're constantly trying to figure out: is he lying to me? What is he describing right now? And so it's like a puzzle when you're reading it. And you're trying. So, so that's why some people hate it. Absolutely hate it. I love. No, I it. liked it. I, I just. I, I liked it. it.
2: Yeah. It. It's. I. Um. I. W- we'll. We'll. At some point in time, you know, we can have a different conversation. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I. I like sort of like the new weird, and he is like proto new weird. So yeah. Oh yeah. I know who Gene Wolfe <laughs> is. Oh, so
0: new and, weird so yeah. old weird no my, i don't know he i think he was like at the, the very beginning of a lot of that like um just weird mm-hmm. yeah yeah i knew so. i knew the name r- rung a bell but it was because you've talked about him mm-hmm. because in my head gene wolf just sounds like a werewolf that's like experimenting on creating a new person so who's worst, <laughs> Josh. that is um, true that is devices
1: true. He's a fascinating guy. He's 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 either a Catholic or like a lapsed Catholic, and so his books oh, wow. always have these kind of uh, strange uh, Christian overtones. Like, there's always savior figures, but they will say things and do things that very much so recall Jesus, except they're like terrible people. And so it's this like weird mix of mm-hmm, y- yeah. you're you're getting this kind of New Testament thing going on, and yet also like totally messed up dudes. But I I, I really love Gene Wolfe.
2: Nice. No, nah, I respect that. I respect it. Like <laughs> I, I respect and appreciate that. So um but Josh,
0: awesome. wh- what do you got for us? Um, well, I've also been playing a nice uh bedtime story, charming video game before I go to bed. It's uh it's called Hellblade, Senuous <laughs> Sacrifice. <laughs> Mm. sorry it is like the total opposite the other end of the coin (laughs) there um and uh i i you know i'm still not far into the game you know just just a little bit in into it um but i i am cautiously optimistic for where it's going i just have this big question mark hanging in the back of my head because what it's what it tries to do it does very well play it with headphones you get voices in your ears um the sound direction is amazing in this game because these voices are are like verging on whispers but it sounds like they're speaking right into your ears because of how close they are to the microphone. Um it's it's just a different sound. It's a very different sound if if you uh if you know what I'm talking about. So it it is very effective in what it does. The thing that I'm still kind of like on the fence about though is that it's so um, surreal the game itself that I can't tell if this is just an analogy you know not that oh it's all a dream but that like it's all in in the character's head or is it only half in the character's head and some of it's real but if that's the case it kind of it kind of jerks me out of it because I'm like well th- I f- if I can't tell what's real and what's fake like I, I don't know so I'm cautiously optimistic because I do like where it's going and I don't want to just like you know, ride it off because of that, um, and I'm I'm enjoying it because of how effective it is. Uh, but it does leave me questioning. Like, are you trying to pull the rug out from under me? Like, what exactly is happening? I don't know what's happening. I'm just kind of along for the ride right now, and it uh, it's freaking me out a little bit. So, I'm but but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the freak out. So, anyways, not not too far into that one. Um, and then in terms of reading, I brought it up last time, but I did, uh, finish up the 2000 years of Christ power by Nick Needham that, that, uh, early church volume, uh, and enjoyed that as well. It's one I, luckily I bought this one on Amazon. I do listen to a lot of my books through, uh, through the library, but this one I actually purchased, uh, on audible. So I'll be going through it multiple times because, uh, it just, it doesn't stick all the time. Like you know, you get an overview of early church history. They talk about these people. They talk about the different controversies, um, which is great. Uh, but you know, when you have a, a physical book that you're reading, it it sticks a little bit better. Um, so it was really kind of this first listen through was like an overview for me to get an idea. And uh, I, I talked about it on the last episode, but um, it has given me a, a greater perspective for the emergence of different doctrines, different orthodox doctrines, and how uh one, like how complicated <laughs> they they tend to be, um, but also how we need to give grace and recognize uh not everyone can come to the same conclusions, like for different reasons I'm, I'm saying like not everyone has has thought these through, even come to the table with the same philosophical presuppositions. Uh so anyways, there's all that there we ought to show grace. We ought to point people to the truth. Definitely. hundred percent. I'm not saying be unorthodox. I'm just saying that like, if someone doesn't have their orthodoxy all straightened out right now, it's okay. Show them grace, you know, point them towards uh, the scripture preferably, but you know, the Holy Spirit will do that work. Come alongside them, teach them, you know, but, uh, but, grace is a big is a big part of that as well. Not everyone's going to agree with you on everything and uh we get some examples of some some bad things that happened from the past as well. And if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it, right? So anyways, I, I did enjoy that and I'll probably be going through it again uh periodically to remind myself of that as well. Um but yeah, outside of that watching some Star Trek uh uh Next Generation, so early stuff uh and enjoying that but that's that's about it that's all i got that's yeah yeah that that's all it has on this report so we're we're good <laughs> um
2: and so i'm assuming there's no real updates to your beatdown score then so
0: no it has not changed i'm looking forward to the day when I, well i'm enjoying xenoblade chronicles 2 don't get me wrong um but i it did hit me oh uh, you know my playtime's like 45 hours in i'm like Two thirds maybe of the way into the game. So it's a pretty long game. So I'll get an extra point for that one when I do finally uh cross the finish line, but uh that's still gonna take a little while.
2: Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um as far as what I've sort of been into, uh well today I sat down with Deuce and Parker and we finally rolled we, we beat and rolled credits on Monster Hunter World. Uh that was it was it was good. Uh, it's definitely like the story is kind of like I mean, you're not you're not playing that game for the story. Like you're playing it to like basically fight dinosaurs. Um, yeah, and, like hunt monsters in a world, right? Hunt monsters so, in a world. Like, yeah, yeah. Pretty like much. That. It's yeah. It's yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, the, the the short version is I wish that the combat was a little more fluid it does feel a little like clunky at times, but there's also supposed mm. to be some weight there, uh, as far as like combat and maneuverability. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was like, it's, so I, I logged that, um, uh, scored that out and then promptly uninstalled it because I had to make room, uh, for destiny too. Um, yeah. Mm. Cause that's, that's sort of, that's going into the, the, the co-op pile. Uh, but yeah as far as like single player stuff uh just kind of trying to plunk away at mother 3 still um mm. I want to sort of I need to I need to start maybe focusing on the single player stuff in in our in my catalog a little bit more especially since uh, next month we're going to basically there there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipe as far as like episodes next month. So uh yeah I got to sort of put the pedal to the metal here and get on it. But yeah, that mother Three's charming. Um, I really do sort of like love that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying my time with that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, my, so like I said, I did, uh I did beat monster hunter world and that obviously will take my beatdown score to back to negative five. Uh, as far as anything else that I've been playing, uh, or watching or reading uh nothing worth noting as far as watching although a friend of the show Josh Loftus uh did say that the uh the Lord of the Rings uh on Amazon Prime he said the first two episodes were decent and there's kind of been some back and forth on that so i'm honestly i'm a little fatigued with all of like these properties i don't know I don't know where I'm at yet like with that but it's like out of all the different television stuff I might check that that out just to sort of come to my own conclusions um but he he spoke well of it so eh, I I might check it out uh but yeah I'm not really watching anything as far as reading goes um aside from finishing the the wisdom pyramid the other week I've kind of like stalled out and it's been pretty pretty light r- light reading um Man, Nate, talk pretty someday. I'm still working through the 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 little golden book there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, chapter three um, is kind of taken. It's just Calvin is he's he's weighty, and he's it's like mm-hmm. it's like five sentences, and I'm like, okay, now my head hurts, and um, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm gonna just like take a break here for a little bit. Uh, yeah. But you yeah, read
0: Hobbes. And come back. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, I'll just at that point in time, instead of reading John Calvin, I'll just go read Bill Watterson and, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, not, not feel as bad about myself. Um, but yeah. So, like I said, uh, that's kind of just as far as like reading goes, it's, it's kind of been, uh, a little bit, a little bit light this last week. Or two, uh, but yeah, I, like I said, uh, my beatdown score is standing at five. And speaking of the backlog beatdown, uh, if you guys have been listening to the show for any amount of time, uh, well, maybe maybe if you've only listened to early episodes, you might not know this, but the official app of the backlog beatdown that meta that we run all year long uh, is GG, and it's a great little app for for tracking your game collections. It's basically a letterboxed app. For tracking game collections, uh, you can create custom lists. Uh, you can rate and review games. You can sort of cultivate a friends list and see what your friends are playing. We we know and love Charles. We we love his product, and we just think that it's it's really worth a look at. You know, and if you like it, there is a premium tier, uh, the elite tier. You can for five bucks a month or fifty bucks a year. You can sort of get access to early builds, so you get first crack at new features. You get uh, access to Charles on his discord server. And yeah, it's like I said, we like the app. We like Charles and we think that you might like it too. In other things that we like, or at least hope that you like, right? Uh, We have a Patreon. And if you've done the, 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 the sharing and the caring, and you've subbed, you've rated and reviewed us, um, we would really you can and you want to go a little bit f- further, right? You don't. This is totally optional. We don't want to like sort of press anybody into this. But you sort of like say, hey, I really like Josh and A. I really like what they're doing, and I want to support that. Uh, and maybe like have a little bit more access to them. Uh, you can sub to our Patreon for as little adult as a, for as little as a dollar a month. You can get early and uncut access to every episode. You can get a video feed for every episode. You can get well, access to us through the patron you get an exclusive role in our discord server, yeah, and uh you know I don't know you you get the the satisfaction for the for the the price of less than a cup of coffee a month that you know you're really helping out a couple of dudes who yeah are just trying to do something worthwhile mm-hmm. um. Lastly, you might even be able to force us into playing a game
0: because that's oh, happened a few times.
2: Yeah, that actually just happened. And it's a lot of what's going to be coming over the next couple months is as a, a result of that. But in other things that we like to sort of like maybe throw our weight behind and at least put on your guys' radar, uh Patrick wrote a well wrote a book and it's being published imminently. Um and we thought that we'd give him the opportunity to plug it here for you guys to maybe check out. So Patrick. Tell us a little bit about your book, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so the book is called Truth Over Tribe, Pledging Allegiance to the Lamb, Not the Donkey or the Elephant. And uh, the book is, as the title suggests, it's about tribalism. I, I, I think whether you are on the left or the right or somewhere in between, you've probably had some miserable experiences with tribalism in your life. Maybe it's anxiety that you feel at work because you can't be honest or because you see there's a crusade happening against someone and you want to stop it, but you don't want to stand in the way. Uh, maybe you've seen it break down family friendships or people that you really loved and cared about, but now you can't connect anymore because you're just not on the same side of the political aisle. Whatever it is, I think that the church should be at least one place where tribalism doesn't reign supreme, it should be the one place where mm. Jesus reigns supreme. And you know, you go back to Jesus' ministry, and he had this constant habit of putting people together who were on the opposite side of the spectrum. You know, he puts a zealot who's trying to you know guerrilla warfare against Rome right next to Matthew the tax collector, like a sympathizer <laughs> with the Roman military and in, in occupying forces. And he, he brings these people together. Or you think about Paul and his ministry of bringing Jews and Gentiles into the same room, into the same churches. And That was hard. I mean, it caused. Conflict, immense amounts of conflict. Much of the New Testament is dealing with that problem in these churches. And I think that the church, the way that we can witness to the power of Jesus over against the broken structures of the world is by being the place where he is in charge, where bridges are built that can't be built anywhere else, where a Trump supporter and a Biden supporter can be in the same small group. They can worship alongside each other. They can say, what we share in common is more important than what separates us. And that is the heart of the book. We're trying to start a movement to end tribalism in the church it's not a book trying to tell you which way you should vote. That's that's not the goal at all. The, the goal really is to help us become a, a people, a group of people who put Jesus ahead of everything else in our life, including our political allegiances, which are increasingly becoming the idols of our era. Mm-hmm.
2: Dude, sure. And and just so the, the listeners are aware, I don't know if this will count for, tor- you know, t- I don't know if this will help you or not, but I did tell Patrick earlier that I already pre-ordered a copy on my Kindle. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this and I would just maybe encourage you guys, you guys to sort of you know, put this on your radar and maybe check it out.
1: Thanks for pre-ordering yeah, I, I hope I hope people like the book.
0: Yeah, I'll need yeah. to I'll need to do that pre-ordering as well so that we can have a, a discussion about it too after it comes out because that sounds that sounds pretty awesome. Uh yeah. We were talking a little bit before uh the the podcast started and I think that is just what a perfect topic for right now like for our era you know there's there's tons of books that you can read that have great information that is not very um applicable nowadays or, or it's 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 great to just store away maybe you can make some connections here and there but this is like we if you've been listening to our podcast we talk about this a little bit every once in a while as well of just how uh we see this in the video game space right <laughs> you get the console wars uh for for no good reason because frankly, consoles has never been as similar as they are today. Uh, but that's another soapbox we don't need to go down. Um, so I I think, yeah, I think this is going to be great. Um, especially just how, well, I was going to say gospel centered. I know that's a loaded term now, uh, but how, how you're focusing on Jesus and how he, uh, unifies people as well. That's awesome. So I'm looking forward to it too. I just need to go ahead and uh, push a few, t- tap on my phone for a little while and pre-order it as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're excited for the book to come out. And uh, while we don't talk about the console wars uh, inside of the book tribalism really is hardwired in, into humanity, this side of the fall. Mm. And, and so, yeah. yeah, right now, political tribalism is a thing that I think needs to be discussed. But I can imagine that 10, 15 years from now, it's going to be something totally different. And yeah. that, again, it's a book about tribalism. Yes, we have to get into politics, but we're not trying to uh, prescribe your politics. We're trying to give you really practical steps in your life that you can take to uh turn down the temperature on the political discussion and build bridges yeah. with people who are different than you. That's
0: awesome.
2: Yeah. I, well, like I said, we're, I think, you know, Josh and I are both excited about that. And, uh, you know, I, 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 sometimes I get like into my like old man yelling at clouds kind of mode. And I get like a little cranked up about something and like, yeah, I just want to like go like shake all the kids on the internet and, you know, do, mm-hmm. do all the, the old man things. But, I'm I'm excited about this because I think generally generally speaking it is something that there's a lot of just divisiveness all over the place you know especially prevalent on social media and in a lot of ways we need like social media isn't real life in a lot of ways right but it's also like if we can sort of recapture the ability to just have civil discourse you know again with just people around us like I'm, I'm all about that. So,
1: I'm yeah, I, I it's, you know, it, the, we, we hope we make a tiny dent in that conversation. And, and, and I hope, like you just said, it does produce more civil discourse. look, social media and the internet is generally speaking an awful place, uh, but that's also precisely the place that I think Jesus would have us go. (laughs) And so if we can model how to disagree charitably inside the church, I mean, you just brought up, you know, theological debates in the book that you're reading and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the church has a long history of very heated arguments over theological topics. And so there's a place for that. Uh, And yet, I I, I think the examples that we want to follow are are not those, you know, who said we're going to, you know, burn people on the stake or the Spanish. You know, like there's all these different approaches to how you're going to handle these dialogues and that's what we're advocating for is a charitable discussion where we assume the best about each other. We don't mm-hmm. uh, deploy a hermeneutic of suspicion. Uh, we show, you know, like, just like basic Jesus stuff of, you know, humility and gentleness and meekness, that, that kind of stuff that he calls us to, loving our enemies I think if that characterized our dialogue and our conversation, we'd have really fruitful conversations and we'd actually convince and persuade people that he is who he said he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. Um,
2: well, shifting gears and sort of moving into something that is not nearly as uh, uh, sober as that, um, you know, <laughs> let's, let's sort of just move right along here into the the main topic. And so I've, I've referenced it. I've referenced it. Oh, Nate talked pretty. It's going to be so good. Much. Wow. Um, I have referenced the, the Twitter thread that we kind of um, that sort of kicked all of this off, but actually I just thought, you know, and when, when you asked what we, what we would talk about, I said, well, let's look at this Twitter thread because I think there's some really useful information in here and some good sort of jumping off points to have a, a serious conversation because I think, what you're doing in this thread and what we try to do over here is have a serious conversation and sort of shed facts at times, you know, you more so in this Twitter thread than, than us on the show, but you know, have a serious discussion about the video games and the potential impact that they have. So if you guys don't mind, I have it already pulled up here and I just figured I'd sort of run down through tweet by tweet and, um, we could just sort of maybe interact with these. So you open up the thread with um, say, saying basically fact one, gaming is larger than Hollywood and the music industry combined. Um, and you have 180 billion, you know, sort of type behind that. And I'm, I'm imagining that's video games gross revenue for the year. Yes, correct. So that, is, that is a yeah. very large number. <laughs> 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 you, you know, um, it is not small. It is not small <laughs> at all, and I don't have the numbers for like you know Hollywood or the music industry, but um, I do remember sort of when when you tweeted when I saw read that I did go out and look it up, and it's it's surprisingly what is arguably the most pervasive forms you know at time what, or what seemingly the most dominant forms of media don't make as much money um, mm-hmm. as. The video game industry so one i think you know that's just an interesting little bit of note uh, or a little bit of information to take note of but then uh you go on to say fact two you'll be hard-pressed to find serious engagement with games in major media outlets secular or christian and again we were sort of before we even started recording we were sort of talking about how like unfortunately like and i i like fan sites you know just like well actually i'm kind of like over games journalists in a lot of ways but that's that's a kind of a different story
0: altogether but i like <laughs> games media i was just <laughs> i i think it is related I, I think the reasons behind you not liking games journalism actually plays into this a lot but
2: well anyways yeah no because it's a, a lot of it turns into um either they're sort of a lot of the articles are sort of like you know, not to be crass, but like, I remember seeing one article from, and I don't remember which, which one it was. Um, but it was like, it was like the, the, the the thrust of the article was like cyberpunk 2077 has a genital genitalia adjustment slider. And I was like, that's the most interesting thing that you can write about. Like <laughs> for this, the, you, you know, somebody, and that was like, a. a an entire article like you know and it's maybe two thousand words i don't know was was spent on that and i was just going like wow that's ridiculous but it's it's sort of it's a lot of like the 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 sort of like the 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 political sort of gestures and the the sort of the what's the word i'm looking for um we we say it all the time like the Uh, the virtue signaling almost like sort of, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of that that sort of crops up in the media and it's not actually trying to engage the media based on its own merits. It's either saying this game sucks because it doesn't have the same agenda that I do or, you know, whatever water there's it's,
1: I I feel like games media is going through what media in general is going through, especially, Mm, you know, large scale. You, You think about the New York times or the Washington post, um, the the model has dramatically changed. You know, it used to be that Fox News was cable news, but now everything is cable news. And uh, <laughs> the, the key to make money for these organizations is that they have to be highly targeted. And uh, what what they want to do is pull in the most affluent, wealthy people to read their things so that they can sell ads to those people, to those who want to sell ads, you know, get them to buy their stuff. And as it turns out, wealthy, affluent people tend to be uh, college-educated, Uh, They tend to be left or left of center, generally speaking, and that might not really be the gaming audience, by the way, which I find to be really fascinating. And and so so they're having to play to a a particular group. And of course, that also means that that forces game developers to play in the same game. I mean, there's no greater symbol of this for me than just look at The Last of Us Part One versus The Last of Us Part Two and the changes that happen between those games. Now, I really liked both games. But The Last of Us Part Two has all of these weird cultural axes to grind. Like you've got, you know, it's talking about lesbian relationships and a trans kid and all these things are happening inside of the the, the story and they don't even really make sense, right? Because like the zombie apocalypse happened in 2010, like 2010, most Americans weren't for gay marriage. Like 2010, most people didn't even know what the yeah. word trans meant. Right. But now I'm yeah. supposed to believe like, you know, 15 years later in the future, everybody's become woke despite not having this media apparatus around us. But again, <laughs> the, the, the broader point that I think we have to wrestle is that games media is going through what all media is going through, which is they have to appeal to an audience, which I do think plays into Christian media ignoring games because uh, there's this mm. s- you know, stigma around the, the the thing that they think we're not going to be taken seriously. I mean, like Christ in Pop Culture is a great example of this pop culture. Like what could be more pop culture than video games? I'm pretty sure their last video, and I'm not trying to dog, I love what they do there. Um, but I'm pretty sure the last video game review was like two or three years ago. And this is the biggest pop culture industry in the world. There's something about that that we have to wrestle with as Christians. And I think part of it is just targeting that they think they're not going to be taken seriously by their audience if they engage with this kind of content.
2: Yeah. Well, and I I would agree there too. Yeah. It's like, it's almost, you, you feel, well, it's like you said, they're sort of playing to their advertisers versus sort of generating substantial, like substantive content. You know, and it's like, I I think, um, and I don't know how familiar you are with him or not, but Colin Moriarty, uh, he was uh, over at IGN for a while. He's part of kind of funny and he's spun off and done his own Patreon thing. And he's got one of the most successful video game Patreons. He's got one of the most successful Patreon campaigns on the platform. And I think he's doing it because he does sort of eschew a lot of the just, the the mm-hmm. nonsense that accompanies everything. And he just, he talks about games and whether you agree with him or not, he's got an opinion on, like, and he's got a fairly, you know, robust pedigree as well. Like he's been writing and and playing games for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And we were fortunate enough to actually have him on and sort of pick his brains a little bit. And it was it was a really interesting conversation. Now, mm-hmm. I would disagree with some of the places he lands, but- you, you know, at the same time, it's like he's got he's he's doing something right because there are a lot of people who are like into what he says. And he's not playing the political game. He just all he does is talk about video games. That's it. Mm-hmm.
1: Which, by the way, is what you should do if you're a video game journalist. <laughs> That's <laughs> the description of the job. And you're bringing again. W- what we're seeing is this cottage industry of Substacks, Patreons, all these uh, mm. small shops open up because mm. the uh, it's called audience capture. It, 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 it's it's the point at which your your audience begins to control your content in really unhealthy ways. So, like a great illustration of this, there was this YouTuber. His whole shtick was he was like a vegan who played violin for the camera and he didn't get any followers doing this. And so he tosses out his veganism and just starts eating meals and talking to the camera. And his his audience starts growing, 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 but they start kind of saying, hey, you should you should eat this or you should eat that. And over time, he starts eating entire fast food menus in one sitting. And if you looked at a picture of him when he started, he's like this tiny little skinny, you know, vegan dude. And now he's like 400 pounds, has to have like a a, a breathing system apparatus on his face so mm. that he can breathe. And it's like, he, he literally ate himself. Like the person he was has been devoured and now he's become this monster that's been captured by his audience, where his audience controls him. And again, so it's like, you're playing to advertisers, but you're also playing to the audience. And if the advertisers want a, a, a elite, educated, certain kind of, you know, the high spending audience, guess what they're going to play to? That's going to yeah. be the audience that captures them. And so you begin allowing that audience to shape the kind of coverage that you're going to give. I think it's ironic with video games because you know the video gaming community is, is not what I would describe generally as a highly progressive community. But if you look at a lot of the major outlets, that, that seems to be the direction that they're, they're going.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, a couple episodes ago, we had a conversation with, a, with another friend of ours, Eric Bryant, and we talked about video games as toys uh, and, and the perception of video games Mm -hmm. as toys and in the, the, the recognition that there was a day when that was primarily what video games were, um, and they've grown a lot since then. But, um, do you think that that plays into this, this, I mean, it's kind of a strong word, but stigma as well. So, so you're throwing out like this is in a amazingly huge industry and it actually has a lot of, uh, cultural power i mean like i i heard a few years ago uh that that around the world mario is more recognizable than than mickey mouse you know so mm. something like this and if, that pokemon is is you know the the highest selling franchise of all time like intellectual property of all time uh you know th- things like this where video gaming is actually a lot bigger than we tend to recognize um th- th- is there have you found reasons why it carries this um in in that sense, I in the sense that I, I brought up the conversation, um, I, I would say there is a bit of a stigma that it's childish, that um that it is more of just it's a toy for for younger mind for man children, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. something like that, as opposed to something that most people at this point kind of engage in that that is in a a huge industry that is a culture shaper in in certain ways what are some of the reasons you think people don't recognize how ubiquitous gaming is yeah I I
1: mean I I think that's a great question and I I mean I I think the answer is just just history and Mm -hmm. in America in particular there's a long history of this so there's this if you go back to the 1800s there was a Victorian ethos around art. You know, you had to be wealthy because there was no vinyl. You couldn't listen to things. You had to bring an artist into your house to play the music so that you could enjoy it. you have to go to, you know, the concert hall and be able to afford doing something like that to enjoy a play. Cause there's no movies. Um, and, and, and as I mean, this is where pop culture came from was there was this slow technological transition where now all of a sudden I could listen to something inside my house or something could be broadcasted onto a TV or um, even in fiction, right? Like I could get because printing became cheaper and cheaper over time, I could get a book for really cheap. This is where we get the term penny dreadful. They weren't dreadful because they were like pornographic books. They were dreadful because the, you know, high fluted in Victorian society thought themselves above. That kind of culture. Mm. And so in America, we, we, we've always had a kind of mixed relationship with pop culture in general. Um, and then I think you add in another element, which is that America has always had this. You have tech utopians and tech dystopians. You know, so like when the Industrial Revolution happens, you have people who are trying to burn down uh, these 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 uh, these factories because they see them as an existential threat to their their lives and not just their livelihoods. They they think it's changing the way that, that we live. And, and so you 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 have a, a pop culture's anathema. It's immature. We have this dystopian thing, which especially has gotten into Christianity. Uh, Christians are very skeptical of technology in general and then you fast forward to you know the 70s and 80s and you look at where this stuff came out of and i mean it literally came out of toy and game manufacturers you know nintendo mm-hmm. was a card yeah. game company that mm-hmm. made this little you know gun thing for for games it was it was it was a child company right and and again the 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 world that all of the early video games came came out of were were largely you know you'd go to a bar and play i forget what it's called the the game where you shoot the ball up into the thing um, and it's got the oh, little yeah, paddles. Yeah. Or pinball. Not, well, not skeeball. It's the, it's the, I forget what it's called. One of your listeners, well, you know, I, anyways, these were the early manufacturers of, of video games because they kind of saw it as the next thing. But again, it was viewed as something that was, um, it was done largely in, in poor neighborhoods, inside of bars. It was not viewed as a high form of society. And so, you know, you get into the 80s, and especially because console games were incredibly limited in the amount of memory that they could store, you had to have fairly, you know, not complex games. I mean, uh, tabletop games like Dungeons and Dragons really created the format for, you know, the modern RPG. I mean, they they worked it out in a profound way in the 70s. Like, we're still kind of catching up, but because you couldn't put, I mean, this is where roguelike games come from. It was like, you can't put a whole RPG onto a floppy disk. (laughs) And so you pick Mm -hmm. one element and you major on it. And so that means that you end up getting really thinned out stories. You end up getting more unidimensional experiences that were largely appealing to kids. And, And the last thing is, again, it's a Western thing. In Japan, it was more widely embraced amongst adults, Uh, but in the West, I mean, Consoles almost never—they—they they almost didn't happen. There was the console boom in the mid '80s, and then everybody's trying to make a console, and then they all flopped, and and then everybody thought this is the end of video games, like <laughs> they're right. not going to happen anymore. And Nintendo comes out of it, but they come out of it by creating—you and you just brought up Mario by creating this character who's very appealing to children, and and so for, for when you go forward from there, and, and you have you know again thinned out stories, you have a a, a burgeoning new genre. You already have a so- society that's you know skeptical of technology. And pop culture, and the advertising is clearly appealing to children. You know, the industry is what created the notion that this is for kids. That, that, Mm -hmm. that, that's where I think it came from. And Mm -hmm. Christians never kind of moved past that. Um, in fact, they had a lot of skepticism around it because of the violence in games. You know, I remember Columbine, I think it was in fourth, fifth grade, you know, people said, mm -hmm. this guy played doom, you know, and that's, that's where they got the idea to shoot up their school. And so I think that's part. So again, that doesn't explain the whole Christian thing, but I think there's a historical thing that happened with video games that we have to wrestle with. And I think it's where this notion of childishness really came from.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, mm. that's good. And I do think, I, I will say um that, like, I agree with everything that you were that you were talking about, but I will say also in a, in a certain sense, it it is, and you, you alluded to this actually in your tweet, it is both in the, I would say the secular realm and the Christian realm, the Christian realm is farther behind in really trying to engage in the medium in, in mm. a thoughtful way. Um, I I do feel like there, there is a very similar stigma and it's for, you know, a lot of these reasons that you're talking about as well. It's not purely Christian because like towards the end there, I'm thinking, oh yeah, you know, satanic panic, especially with, uh, you know, things like D&D kind of like filtering into it because there were, you know, a certain sect of adults who played games as well, but then it was more of that type, um, I guess. So, Anyways, all that to say is I do think it's it's kind of by and large, I think there are some people who are not within the church who would still say that like, okay, why are you playing those kids' games? You know, still have that kind of idea, that kind of stigma. It's not – I don't think it's fully accepted by – you know, by and large, it still seems so. It, it's like you kind of peer under the rock and you see, oh, it's this huge industry, which is, yeah, it's it's just a really interesting place that we're in right now. Although I fully agree, yeah, that I would say the Christian world is is farther behind in its recognition and, and willingness to engage in uh in having these thoughtful conversations. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, those it, are it really all is points.
1: across the board. If you if you get a mm-hmm. paper copy of the New York Times you'll find reviews of local plays happening on and off Broadway Mm -hmm. that no one, the vast majority of people in the United States have no access to. Um, But this is high culture, you know? And so we're going to talk about high culture here. And you will find next to nothing in that print copy about video games that are being played by millions and millions of people. Now, I mean, look, mm-hmm. just because lots of people play it doesn't mean that it's worthy of discussion. You know, lots of people right. like, watch pornography, and I, I don't want to have a podcast about, you know, pornography. So, you know, that, that mm-hmm. doesn't justify it. My, my problem with, and this is especially true in Christian circles, is that it's not engaged because they haven't thought seriously about the medium. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They've thought deeply maybe about film, or television, or uh, you know, novels and books, and, and, and we've we've developed categories for thinking Christianly about these particular things. But because they haven't thought deeply about how video games actually work, how they function as a medium of communication, as a medium yep. of storytelling, they just assume it's it's thin, it's weak, and you know. So that's why I love talking to people who have this view. I mean, if I know them in person, I'll bring them over. Like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you play this. You know, the first fifteen minutes of this game. And then you tell me if you think this is a thin medium for storytelling, you know?
2: Yeah. No, yeah. and I think that's that's sort of like, you know, that's – well, well, we'll sort of move on ahead here because you actually did sort of bring this up in the, in the Twitter thread. You said, if you meet a Christian cinephile who writes reviews of the movies, she, he or she will be taken seriously. If that same person reviews a cultural artifact with much broader appeal, i.e. video games, she will get this, and then you had this sort of uh, one – you used a new girl gif, and you know, I, I my wife and I have enjoyed yeah. new girl
1: Zoe um, Deschanel looking askance, like oh, oh, gosh. like oh, like
2: oh, that's that's We're having this uh,
1: conversation, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's a, uh, mm. there's and, the back door,
2: yeah, kind of like looking for for the exit. Um, but I would sort of say, like, I think part of the 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 general problem is is that exactly, like, is that. A lot of, even like, you know, sort of harkening back to what we were talking a, a little bit uh, about a little bit ago, a lot of the conversation conver- Oh, jeez, Yeah, I'm falling apart here. A lot of the conversation surrounding games in general on, on Christian and secular sides is pretty immature. It's juvenile. It's sort of, it's trying to sort of, it's not taking the medium seriously. Whereas, you, you know, and because that's kind of what sells. That's what gets the most attention and, but if you have someone who is trying to engage it and again, you know, trying to just engage the the things a little more critically, it's, it's not as much fun. It's not a soundbite. It's not as whatever. And so a lot of times, like, you know, at church, sometimes I'll talk about, uh, I, I talk about, I don't talk about my podcast a whole lot. It's not because I'm ashamed of the work that we do. It's just, I know <laughs> the response I'm going to get, you know, and it's, it's not to sort mm-hmm. of, you can say you're ashamed of me. No, a, uh, Like, yeah, to. that's, oh man, uh, that's a whole different well, ball of wax there, buddy. Um, <laughs> but like, and, and, you know, my pastor and my elders know, and we, we've talked about it. And I say like, part of it yeah. is really, there, there's a lot of like meaningful sort of context to be drawn out of this because it is, it is such a powerful narrative tool. Um, And there's a lot of, a lot of things happening. Like, you know, even sort of going, going back to that, it's, it's one of the largest, it's $180 billion industry a year, right? Like, like that's a lot of money. That's a big imprint. That's a big footprint. And It's having, like, these stories and these experiences are having impact on our kids and on, you know, our neighbors. And it's like, there's a lot of exposure there. And if you're not willing to sort of, like, treat it, you know, and again, like, some, some games are just, like, you mentioned Doom. Like, right? I really like Doom 2016 from a technical, like, it's a really just masterfully put together game like the 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 combat loops and it's just like it is like it's just a dopamine terror rush that um <laughs> but right and it's like yeah i i think doom eternal the the sequel was actually called uh murder chess um you know i don't know how you murder demons you know but anyway you know you're killing like monsters or whatever and there's like but and so like yeah that's like sort of dumb fun In a way, you know, it does require a sort of a technical prowess, like an ability. And there's, there's, and I appreciate the design behind it, but I'll like say narratively, it's kind of like empty, but there's other things like, you know, you mentioned the last of us and the last of us part two, there's really meaty narrative in there that you can sort of like dig into. And there's a lot of like things to critically pull apart and, and look at, but you can't do that. You, you know, I—I I, one of the most interesting things that I've—I've I've seen is that somebody actually compared *The Last of Us* Part Two to *Schindler's List*, and—and and a lot of people freaked out. And it was uh, I'm trying to uh, Jeff Canada. Uh, he has it from DLC. He he's got a couple poc- He's got a bunch of pockets. Anyways, he compared it in one of his tweets to *Schindler's List*, and. He basically said like, it's sort of on that level for the video game equivalent. And he's like, listen, I'm not going to watch Schindler's list for fun. I'm going to watch Schindler's list because it has, there's, there's a beauty in that and there's a mastery in it. And it has things to say to me. And he's like, and I play Mm -hmm. the last of us part two for the same reason. There's a beauty in it. There's a mastery in it. That's sort of like, you see the creative genius behind this team and it has things
1: to say. And yeah it's got profound things to say and i think you know that's that's the part that drives me nuts is 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 if if you haven't engaged with the medium you're not going to realize that um Mm -hmm. you know know, i said i like to let people play the first 15 minutes of a game and then see what they think the game i have them play is the last of us part one Mm -hmm. um for a number of reasons number one if they haven't played 15 minutes it's
2: heartbreaking yes
1: it's everything about it is different, right? So, I mean, like if, if you grew up playing video games, first of all, the character you start with is the hero of the story. Uh, so you, you open up the game and you're a 13 year old girl. Um, well, you know, in my life, I had never played as a thirteen-year-old girl in any video game, and I'm, you know, it, it, and it's Mashable, right? Because she's walking through the house and she's seeing pictures of her and her dad, and you put together that something's happened to her mom, and you can tell that there's a special relationship between her and her father because she's got memorabilia of him, and she hears this voice. There's all these things that are coming through that are showing this special relationship, and then you know, obviously out of nowhere, you start hearing these zombie voices and gunshots, and he breaks in, and it's terrifying because you can't see anything and you know most games you're able to fight like but she can't do anything (laughs) you know you're completely unable and you jump into a car and like basically all you're doing is reacting 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 to thing after thing and as it goes through you're just you're falling in love with this relationship between her and her father and this you know maybe it's because i was a new dad at the time too like i felt this profound protectiveness like i have to protect this girl and i'm playing as the girl and of course in the end of the first 15 minutes she gets shot and and killed, and he can 't protect his daughter and i i 'm not kidding, I bawled i wept i didn't i didn 't know anything about the game, and so i didn 't see it coming, you know, so it just completely hit me, caught me. In off guard and it sets up you know the the entire rest of the game, which is you know essentially a you know a little buddy game with profound themes around what is a parent, what is a child? what are human relationships? what makes us love one another? you know what what happens when we're you know when we've survived a, a, a trauma and and we need to build relationship, but we can't because there's something that's still broken. So it's like all these things that we all wrestle with in our life. and you're gonna tell me that's not a serious genre like, like there's nothing serious happening here. you just play that first 15 minutes. And it will turn you around. And so again, that's why for me this that's a conversation I want to have. I want to talk about the medium. Um and the, my last little thought there is you have to talk about it as as its own medium because you know some people don't like that's what they call it like playing a movie or something. And that drives me nuts because I don't I don't think you're you're playing a movie in the game. There's parts that feel like that, sure. But, like, part of what a game does that is unique from uh, a film or reading or any other entertainment format is the feedback loop between player and game. It's the ability to enter into the game, you know, into the game feel of I move the controller and something happens on the screen. And that actually affects you in a different way. It's a different format of storytelling that you will never experience watching TV. And so, again, if you want to take right. the medium seriously, you have to reflect on how it actually forms and shapes the individual playing it and, and the power that comes from that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like in the most basic level, you remember choose your own adventure books when you were a kid? It's like that is different than reading a regular story. You know, just, mm-hmm. just that little bit of interaction there. Um, and, and especially for games that are trying to uh put kind of pr- that have profound themes in them um I-, I think it makes it all the more impactful that you were a part of that experience that you were bringing some things about in the world yes of yeah. course it's an illusion um but so is every character you've ever read about in a fiction but bo- you know what i mean like so are uh, <laughs> the heavenly no kids in in uh, the narnia trilogy okay. but you know they're still awesome characters like like what
1: one example that comes to my mind with this, uh, I, I, I've shared this in other podcasts, but its I've already said I love Final Fantasy VII. Um, spoiler alert, but if you don't know this spoiler, you've, you don't know anything about video games. Uh, <laughs> The, in the center of the game, the 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 main character's love interest, Cloud's love interest, Aerith, she is killed by by Sephiroth. But the scene leading up to that is um, you're playing as Cloud, and at this point, Cloud continually loses control over himself. Uh, he, he he seems to be able to be taken over by the villain in some sense. Which okay, like as a sidebar, like how interestingly Christian is that as a worldview of like you know, Roman seven, I, you know, I can't do the thing that I want to do, but whatever, Mm -hmm. let's just set that aside. (laughs) And um, what happens is she's, she's on this pedestal praying and Sephiroth is taking cloud over and he's clearly directing cloud over there to kill her. And this is the only point of the game where you can't tell Cloud where to go, right? So, like, if you press any button on the controller, if you move him, he takes another step towards her with his sword, like, ready to kill her. And I remember in the moment playing the game, like, I don't want to kill her. like what? And I'm, like, trying to go backwards, and every time I press backwards, he's, like, going forwards. I'm, like... uh, trying to like, I don't know what to do, and everything I did, he's moving closer and closer and closer. And it's like I, I'm fi- I'm literally fighting with myself. I don't want to do this. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he somehow stops, right at the last second. But just stop and think about that. I literally had to enter into he, he didn't want to kill her. He didn't want to do this thing. And the emotion in that moment of I don't want this thing to happen, but there's nothing that I can do to stop it was actually escalated by the feedback loop that was happening between me and the character on screen. That is profound storytelling. And you cannot get that mm-hmm. by watching the movie version. You cannot get the experience I had of I don't want to do this, but there's nothing I can do to stop it. You cannot have that. And so again, like that's where I'm saying like you have to you have to you have to talk about it as as a medium, as a genre that is unique and can do things that other genres simply can't do. Mm-hmm.
2: Well yeah. and it's it's interesting that you talk about like the it's basically the player's agency sort of that mm. is 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 kind of there in that moment because that reminds that sort of that moment there where you're talking about cloud and sort of like every step is even that's even more sort of like forced mechanically on you because it's like any interaction pushes you forward like with the control which and and to to sort of a, a similar moment uh, if you've ever played bioshock is the the would you kindly reveal where it's like there is this moment where the game just sort of stops. And the only way to move forward is to basically sort of give in, you know, on, on a, like, it's sort of not really fourth wall breaking, but like it interacts with the player in a way. It says like the only way forward is to basically sort of submit to the, this sort of what the game sort of been telling you the whole time. And mm-hmm. the the intensity of that moment wouldn't like, if you're watching that in a movie, that's you're gonna be like, oh, eh, whatever. But the fact that like it's the player's agency, like I'm the one who actually is like pulling the trigger, pressing the button. I'm the one driving this forward, even though I don't want to. That's that's that is a very interesting sort of like, and I think that that really sort of plays in the fact that like in a lot of ways, like this is a you know, it's not just the immersion, but it is the fact that like yeah, there is that the the player feedback loop it's the the player is the active agent sort of like you are in that game in a way that you aren't in a story like i think there there are probably things about reading that are probably a little bit more beneficial than than video games at times but sure video even reading to a certain extent is pretty passive you know it's a little more sort of like creative there's there's a lot more creative input versus like watching a movie but like you know, because instead of like you know ripping out, like you're building the worlds in your mind, you know. Whereas you know you're watching the screen, it's built like there's set design and visual effects artists have all they've built all that out for you. Like you're building your own soundtrack, you're building your own d- actors. Y- you know, when you're reading something, you know, coming at it sort of like that. We call it a naked playthrough sometimes in gaming, where it's like you you don't you don't look at anything, you know y- you know. But like there's the when you come out of a book the first time, like, and you've got, it's just you and the page, like you're building that, but like, and so you're not quite doing that, but you, the way you're interacting with it, there's, you're a lot more almost physically tied, or not uh, physically, but psychologically tied to this game mm. versus the way, like, because even in the book, like you, you mentioned that you're reading Gene Wolfe yeah, there are questions in there that narratively he sort of like gets you the reader to sort of engage in. But at the same time, like there's still only one path through that book. You know, there's no point, like, unless you just put the book down, it's like, he's, you're going to go through that story the way he's told it. And when, when, you know, somebody's interacting with a game in a way there, there are, especially like there, there's, Obviously, linear experiences, right? Like sometimes the story is the story is the story, Mm -hmm. and the way that you experience might be different than person X, Y, and Z. And then there's the whole issue of emergent gameplay with things like Skyrim and stuff like that. But I, I think like we sort of we do undermine or under underestimate the the weight and like the sort of like the 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 sort of again I'm going to use the term the weight that this sort of puts on video games and, and and the way that we play them is that. Sometimes yeah. like I think that you know, you mentioned the the scene with Aerith, like that like a profound moment where it just sort of hits you. Like you, you know, and you're just like, I don't want to do this. And, you know, that that puts you in that headspace. And there's I think all this being said, like it's just interesting because like there are books and 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 songs and things that sort of capture those moments too. But like for me, the one of the games that Like I love Shadow of the Colossus. Um, That's like one of my favorite games of all time. Um, That's more of a sort of, it's a design thing more than anything, uh, just because it is designed by subtraction. But the game that I I would sort of say most recently had the the largest emotional impact was I played uh, God of War, the God of War reboot um, from back in uh, 2018 or 2016, whenever that was. And the sort of, to set the stage, like we were fostering two boys with the intent to adopt them. Um, And that did not, that went sideways. Um, It it just, for a lot of reasons, it didn't really work out, but I'm, I'm playing this game as like, you know, that's basically a story about fathers and sons, you know, which I think in a lot of ways, every dude on the face of the planet has like, you know, sort of like this, like that's like sort of weak spot for us. Like we just like, you know, it's like, fathers and sons because we we were all a son we so you might have daddy issues or we, we have sons or whatever you know what i'm saying there's a whole like there's a way that we can relate to that story in particular and i just remember watching this and and so and just to give you like i'm i'm a dude who has struggled with anger his entire life like you know that's like that's the one that i sort of default to and so it's um and by the grace of god like i'm maturing out of a lot of that and, you know, and I've, but I just, there were a lot of parallels for me because I saw Kratos, who's who's a dude who is basically defined by his anger in those first three, like, you know, he's just, he is angry and he kills things. And then he's actually sort of has to deal with all of the fallout of that. And then in, in you know, and all of the destruction that he's wrought and all of the, the bad relationships that he has, and all of a sudden, like he's got like, you know, a, a son and he's got to like, he's got a model sort of what it means to be a responsible man. But he also has to like ready this boy, equip this boy for Atreus for survival in, in a world that will very easily destroy him, you know, and and at the same time, like he he wants to keep things from him like he's he's trying to protect him and in doing so he causes him harm and it's just there's so much in there that like i was like there's just sort of like yeah and like that game for me just like it was just sort of like walking through that story And, and even watching kratos be redeemed in a lot of ways and sort of like become a better man by sort of even sort of like reconciling who he was and saying well not everything about me like before this needs to be discarded. Like there are parts, like I was a warrior, I was a fighter and I was a fighter for a reason. And it's like turning the fight and saying like, I will fight to protect my son. I will fight for a just cause instead of just to like crush those who stand in my way. And like that, that whole thing, like the, the the emotional impact, like, you know, it just sort of like locked, like, you know, I would say like, that's my most recent, but it's like, dude, like I could read, you know, uh, Josh, you read uh, Cormac McCarthy's *The Road* recently. And that broke me, dude. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I did. When I, I just like in in a way like *The Road*. I've read *The Road*, and I was like, it's an interesting. You know, I I read it very analytically. You know, kind of, but it's like it didn't get it. It didn't twist me up the way that *God of War* did for some reason. You know, and maybe it was just I was in the. It was sort of like i read it at the right time or read it at the wrong time and played the game at the right time or whatever but I, i'm just sort of like weighing in there and just saying like hey like mm-hmm. there's there's something here that needs to be reckoned with and needs to be reckoned yeah. with seriously it's
1: mm-hmm. I, I i feel like it's all over the place you know um i guess just I, I could go game after game like i don't know if you guys played ghost of uh tushima or Shushima, i don't know how to pronounce tushima yeah island. yeah tushima yeah. thank you um, I should know they have good voice acting, uh, but well, the T
0: S thing is like you—you you almost have to like
1: kiss the T just a little so, bit. Sushima—that's yeah,
0: that's that's—or that's, you could just think of it as Ghost of Sushi Man and take away the N at the end. Oh, it's Ghost of Sushima, Sushima. That—that'll. Sorry, me. I'm trying to ruin everything. That's <laughs> he's,
1: good. He's the worst, Patrick. He's the worst. Don't encourage. I him. love sushi. I'm I'm the sushi <laughs> man. Right. No, but so like it's like I could go through examples like so 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 there's a game that's about honor culture and it's about the right way to fight and you know a true samurai faces his enemy face to face. There's honor in the fight. It's better to die with honor than do the dishonorable thing. And it's 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 a stealth fighter game, right? And, and so like literally the way the game introduces you to stealth mechanics is this existential crisis of the character trying to wrestle with the kind of person he needs to be to rescue the island, which becomes the main drama, is him wrestling with himself: what's right, what's wrong, um, when is it okay to do something, when is it not okay, like good and evil. And it's built, it's baked right into the actual gameplay, you know, because you're forced to choose again and again. Will I, will I take the stealth path? And you can't beat the game without taking the stealth path. You know, you, you cannot uh, just rush into every scenario and just take things right head on. It's just not. It's not possible. Um, there's, it, it, there's countless. Like we talked about Dragon Quest. I love the menus in Dragon Quest. Now there's a weird thing to say that you love. I do. I love those menus, particularly the character menus. Um, because if you pay really close attention to how the characters, how you're allowed to develop them, they express the nature of the character, him or herself in, in very unique ways. Um, so we were talking earlier about my my love for Silvando. I, I, I think he's a fascinating character. He he's he's the only character. So when you you know you can do these pet powers where you attack with other characters in the game, he's the only character who can team up with every character <laughs> inside of the game uh, and do like a multi-person pep pep one. Every other character has one other person that they'll team up with for their pet power. So you know it's the hero and Eric, it's Serena and Veronica, it's Jade and, and Rab. Like they, they they are the pairs, and Silvando can go with anyone. And if you go through his menu, he has the most versatile menu. You can turn him into a physical fighter, you can turn him into a ranged fighter, you can give him some limited magic power, some healing. He's got everything, you know? And so you've expressed the character in his menu. Now you compare that to the hero who's, again, fascinating because if you look at his class, he, he he is a physical fighter, but he also has a, a, a huge emphasis on buffs and healing. He's not the main buffer and healer in the game, but it's telling you something about the nature of he- of, 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 of heroics. That a true mm-hmm. hero isn't about himself. That a true hero buffs the team. That a true hero heals the team. And if you use him well in the game, in my opinion, you're, you're going to utilize some of those abilities, at least until his attacks become overpowered and then there's really no use to using them anymore. But you, <laughs> you get the point. Like, Isn't that cool that the many was forcing you to, it's forcing characterization Mm. to happen uh, in the Dragon Quest experience. And so it's just like these, I I could go on and on with examples of how games tell stories in ways that you're just not Mm. going to be able to tell. And and by the way, how you shape that hero over time until you can change up the map of what what you invest in is going, you're characterizing him. Like there's there's again that feedback loop of are you going to invest in him as more of a buffing and healing class? Are you going to make him more of the traditional fighter? You're expressing the character Character, even in the in the menus, which is not maybe how everybody thinks about it, but I think it's the nature of a role playing game in general. Yeah,
0: yeah, that dude, that's fascinating. That that is awesome. And since we're you know throwing out recent games that, that uh, really kind of had that uh, that spoke to us or spoke to life, spoke to something else uh the one that comes to mind for me outside i mentioned a couple episodes ago was what remains of edith finch i think that one's a great one um but near automata i fairly recently i think we played that one last year Mm -hmm. and uh the the way that that game is a for most of the game it is very gamey like it's it's very much hack and slash having fun kind of under the surface. And it even, uh, the, the way that it plays with your expectations with the first ending being that very gamey game of like, here's what you're sent to do, here's the big bad, you beat the big bad, and okay, now the credits roll. But then it continues after that, and then you find out everything was a lie, and you replay things, and you find out more about what's going on. And the game finally, at the end of it, becomes this statement of how everything you've been fighting for and everything the characters that you have come to love have deeply, like, given their lives to end in nothing. Like, how empty they are at the end of everything to the point where you have characters, like, it's a robot, it's not a human, but a robot is asking you to either lobotomize them or just destroy them outright because they cannot accept the fact that everything that they had tried to create has backfired. Um, And the way that the game ends with, uh, this is just full spoilers, but we've had a full episode on the game. The way that the game ends with this um, very moving piece that's like well, we don't know what we're doing, but we're going to fight against the darkness and we're going to hope that it does something. So band together, let's hold, let's lock arms together as a team and fight against the darkness even though we have no chance of winning. And that cognitive dissonance for me is is like it's it's one of my favorite games because it's I think it's a profound picture of life apart from Christ because ultimately the bottom falls out of everything outside of having um, a creator who um, is not only great, but is also good and who seeks out a relationship with us. Like what? (laughs) That all these, these, these amazing things about our God that is not, that are not present in any other conception of reality. Um, And so I think, I think that game has some profound things to say as well. Um, a little bit of switching gears is that I also want to acknowledge, or, or question. Let me just throw out a question here. How much of the the reason, so the question we, we came to this, and then we're talking about these profound experiences we've had in video games. How much of the way, you know, sorry, I'm prefacing it again, but I'll just say it. We talked about how video games started as toys, right they were they were um, marketed towards children, and now they have become this medium that that can speak in a very unique way. How much do you think um of the the current perception of not taking video games seriously has to do with uh, we, we talked about how huge the industry is. But how much of that industry are the – and I don't mean to poo-poo these things, but I'm going to throw them out there anyway. The big guns like the Fortnites and the Call of Duties and the Fifas that by and large are much more gamey games that are about getting the high scores and climbing the ranks and things like that. The online uh, – there's camaraderie there, so I guess there's there's something there too. But I also want to be honest and say not every game you play is a profound experience, and probably not a lot of the most popular ones are either. I loved Spider-Man 2018. I don't think it had a ton to say, but I really enjoyed my time with it. Do you think that has anything to do with it? That that yes, there are these these uh, you know, shining gems there but by and large, is that really what the medium kind of puts forward most of the time? Yeah. I mean, I, I think
1: that's a valid question and you know, i almost also want to respond with a, a different question, which is, you know, mm-hmm. give me an entertainment genre that doesn't have highbrow and lowbrow, but you're just not going to yep. find it. It does not, yep. it does not exist. Yeah. There's, there's Fortnite, there's call of duty and you know there's nothing wrong with playing those games. I've never personally found them particularly entertaining. Uh, that's it's it's lowbrow entertainment, like it's HGTV, mm-hmm. it's it's uh it's the romance novel that you picked up at the bookstore, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to call it trash. I'm just saying it's it's not it's it's not highbrow entertainment. And there's a place yeah. for that stuff. Like it's sometimes you just want to yeah. have a it's, fun game that's just a blast to go play, right? Yeah, it's the yeah. office. That's great. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's it's it might be your comfort. It might just be something that you enjoy doing. so I have no problem with it. And even then. I do think understanding the medium and engaging with it is is important on its own terms, uh, but I do think that has created part of the perception of childishness in general. Is the by and large the kinds of games that people see their kids playing, or that they see their spouses playing, or whatever else it is, they don't understand it, and it looks silly, and it looks childish, and and it falls into all of the 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 stereotypes. Um, you know, again, my, my main pushback for people is. Well, don't knock it until you try it, you know. Until until you've actually tried, not just to play a game and engage with it, but try to understand the genre, how it works, how it functions. You you really don't have a right to step in and start, you know, throwing stones and 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 name calling. Um, but I agree with you. There there are gems, there's highbrow, there's lowbrow. And of course there's more lowbrow than highbrow. It's cheap and easy to make, you know. Fortnite's incredibly successful. Uh, it's it's a it's a hugely lucrative franchise no shocker um it it probably costs a lot less to keep fortnite running now than it does to you know put together the the next game of the year it's going to be more lucrative so again no shocker that's what's happening but i I agree with you i think that's part of the childishness
2: well that actually sort of takes us back to the 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 twitter thread um so just you tweeted out this isn't to say that all video games are artful. High and lowbrow content exists in every medium. Uh, and this also isn't to say that video games can't be addictive or destructive. But again, that's possible with any hobby. Um, you know, Put your necessary caveats there. I probably agree. And I did want to pause on that for a minute because I think part of it, uh, part of some of the conversation that surrounds video games, especially in Christian circles, right? And you, you also sort of addressed this in a Twitter thread, but is... That there's an emphasis on sort of the addictive nature or, you know, the fact that it's a waste. You know, you you referenced Mark Driscoll and its video games. They're, They're not sinful. They're stupid. They're a waste of time. And they can be. And I think like, so part of the, the in sort of having a mature conversation about this stuff, right, isn't just like when somebody says, well, vid- video games are stupid, they're a waste, t- waste, waste of time. And a lot of times in sort of the Christian enthusiast circles, right, like the reformed gamers and, and you know, um, I'm trying to think of a few others. Uh, what is it? Uh, Geeks, Grace. Love Thy Nerd. Love Thy Nerd. Uh, there you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's 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 a few of these communities out there and what what you'll see is like somebody like tim Challies or writes an article about video games and he's just like you know he he has a little bit of a take there and some of what he's doing is he's basically pushing against sort of maybe the addictive and the knee jerk sort of reaction, right. Is like, yo, well, w- football and sports and blah, blah, blah. and you know, there's a lot of finger pointing and, and and again, there's criticisms to be leveled there. And I think there is sort of a, a, por- mm-hmm. a part where it's like, if somebody comes at me and wants to sort of like take me to task for spending eight hours a week playing video games, but they have a 10 hour a week football habit. I'm going to like, I'm going to like say like, okay, let's talk about this because overall, I think the one of the, the big problems is that in America, you know, and I can only speak again, sort of very sort of to, to our context, we have a problem with entertainment. We just don't engage entertainment as a general rule, well, or wisely. Like it's, you know, there's the whole, uh, religion is the opiate of the masses. No, the opiate, like America's religion then is being entertained. And that's how we numb ourselves. That's how we, we, we sort of And I think part of the ways that Christians can sort of engage that is to have honest conversations about that. So yeah, as a, as a Christian gamer, you know, as somebody who enjoys the medium, I want to have honest conversations about video games. And, and that includes sort of acknowledging the pitfalls, acknowledging the problems, like saying like, no, yeah, warts and all, this is kind of what it looks like, but it's not just this. And while there are problems here that we need to avoid and things that we need to be careful about, like, you know, we've, we've done episodes where it's like, you know, we talk about like, just like if you are playing games and you're neglecting like your personal relationships, your personal obligations, like if you're, if you're buying games and you can't pay your bills, like those are very obvious areas, but like another area that might be a little more subtle is like. Hey, if like you're cutting out like a couple hours of sleep every night so that you can squeeze in a little bit more time playing a video game, that's probably not a great idea either, and that's probably a, a really irresponsible thing to do long term because you need your rest and while video games are great and if you can enjoy them responsibly and well do so, they're also not necessary they're good they're and and they're meant to be enjoyed but you need to do that in the, the right context. So I, I think like there's something in there that, yeah, like we need to be able to put in the necessary caveats and then have conversations around those responsibly like adults.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, I fully agree. And and there are studies that show that gaming can for a certain subset of the population become addictive. Um, and because of the immersive, Features of games, I I wouldn't be shocked if they have a higher chance of becoming addictive than some other forms of entertainment. You know, I'm sure there's people who who binge read books. (laughs) I, Mm. I I have a, I have a harder time imagining that that's as large a proportion of the population as those who are going to be tempted to. Well, you should have talked
2: to 13 year old me, uh, who would stay up very late, (laughs) like the, the flashlight under the covers late at night.
1: um, Yes, yes. That was me with Harry Potter as a kid. I could just go hard mm. uh, no it's it's true, you know, and so, so I think everything you're saying is is spot on. We should have a conversation about addiction in video games, about responsible use of use makes it sound like a drug, but like responsible use of video games like but it's the same conversation we'd have honestly about almost any other entertainment format, mm-hmm. And so it's yeah, not at least we should be having about. Yes, anyway. we should be having. We don't tend to have it. And again, that's because of cultural taboos and what people think you can or or you should or shouldn't spend your time on. The thing that bothers me is when the conversation starts and ends there. Like That's an important part mm-hmm. of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but just look at the way we've oriented this conversation. We've talked about the goodness and the value and the power of video games, which I think affirms the fact that we are creative creatures created in the image of a creator. And... Uh, we do a dishonor to the medium when when we treat it like a drug that needs to be questioned you know that needs to be put on the on the bench and uh, you know just i've got to be the prosecutor and i've got to make my case against it before i've even sought to to understand it and this fundamentally goes back to a lot of what c.s lewis even wrote about his reading of medieval people He, he he talked about how his goal wasn't to look at the suit of armor it was to step inside of the suit of armor and he saw this as an act of love That what he needed to do was try to understand the world from the author's perspective because that was a human being made in the image of God, and and, and stepping into his perspective was a loving act. It was a self giving, a self uh, killing act almost to become that person, and that's what, I would say the exact same thing needs to happen with video games where. We, if we start by just looking at the armor and talking about it and all the risks that come with it, rather than stepping into the armor, we failed in the call of of love and charity and self sacrifice. So, again, just just the way we frame this conversation, I think, is the way that it ought to happen. Uh, but I would say nine times out of ten, it starts with video games are addictive, video games are violent, video games are childish. But I mean, maybe they're not that bad. You know, that's that's usually how the conversation <laughs> goes.
2: Yeah. No, and that's yeah, I definitely think there's well, yeah, I think uh sort of I, I guess I just sort of wanted to get a little bit of a take on that real quick. Uh, but this takes me to the next next tweet in the thread. And there's some stuff that we skipped over, but um I want to be respectful of your time. And uh I I thought this would be a good tweet to sort of maybe like take a couple minutes here and just sort of ask this question of just or not? Maybe a question. Well, it is a question. Anyways, yeah, they talk pretty someday, but but this this is my you you go on the right, but this is my way of saying: What if Christian media was the first to untaboo video games? What if Christian media took gamers seriously? And I think that and and you, the the tweet after you you, uh, you sort of you mentioned some people: John Wiley, um, the TTV preacher guy, and Pastor Dustin there um, are guys who are trying to sort of do this and in our own sort of way we're we've been trying to sort of facilitate adult conversations surrounding this. And sometimes, sometimes we do a better job of that than others. But yeah, I, I think like th- this is the, the, the problem or the the way to sort of come at this. And I just think, and again, it's sort of, for me, my interests are sort of broadly media oriented. And I think it, it's sort of saying like, Hey, there's a way to healthily engage media as a whole that we need to sort of like carve out some tools and build some frameworks in and, and necessary questions. Mm. And some of that starts just by taking media seriously when it deserves to be taken seriously. Like, listen, I'm not going to be able to wax eloquent about doom 2016. Like it is murder chess and it's rip and tear and it's got a banging soundtrack and it's just fun and scary. Right. There aren't a ton of redeeming elements there. I'll, I'll talk about it and be like, yeah, it's fun. And I'm going to like recommend it to certain people with certain caveats and just be like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, but it's, I'm not going to talk about that the same way that I'm going to talk about Shadow of the Colossus or Breath of the Wild or Final Fantasy nine i i tend to i don't know if you've i i tend to rip on seven a good bit um that's mostly because i'm a jaded six fan who feels like six got the short end of the stick um but uh but i i love them both (laughs) i i do too like the way i put it is final fantasy seven is a good game but i'm just i'm kind of mad because i feel like six and nine which are my two favorites get a bit of a short end of the mm. stick. So, mm.
0: um, so the question is, how do you feel about eight? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Eight, just eight's kidding. The, That's the a whole
2: other conversation. <laughs> bottom <laughs> tier out of a, a a pile of really great games. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> but so let's let's sort of take a second here to sort of look at this. Um, what, what do you like? What if Christian media took games seriously? What if we were the like the, the Christians, like. You know what if some of our major publications started just treating these like when it's when it's due,
1: and interacted with
2: these things seriously?
1: To to me, this is it's a it's a evangelistic and missional opportunity that's being missed. If okay. you play games, especially cooperative games, uh, you will know that the gaming community is uh, not by and large Christian uh in mm-hmm. fact, if you do cooperative gaming, you're gonna meet a lot of people from the LGBTq community. you're gonna meet a lot of atheists, you're gonna meet a lot of every kind of person, but you're not gonna meet many Christians're um, gonna it's gonna be harder to meet them at least that's been my experience. and mm-hmm. you know so if we if we want to reach into that community, we have to understand it and we have to take it seriously. and so I'm thinking about this from two different angles um one is, if you wrote a video game review that articulated something beautiful and true and good about that game that someone who wasn't a Christian could understand was it was comprehensible to them? It said things that they wish they could have said about that game. It captures something about that game that connects with them. You have now just built a bridge for for Jesus to that person because you've you've shown that you as a Christian can take this game serious and you can say things that are credible to someone who who doesn't know Jesus. So so there's that element of building bridges. But number two is. Christians who are in gaming, you just you you put it perfectly. It's like we need frameworks, we we need ways of talking about this. How do I, if as a part of this community, build bridges? Well, I can't do that if I, as a Christian, am consuming games um, uncritically. You know, I think part of being a, a a follower of Jesus is is a is a certain seriousness in your life. I love having fun, so this is not an anti fun statement, but it's it's the willingness to take things around you seriously. Someone put a lot of hard work into making all of the decisions that go into this game, and and if you are able to talk about it in an interesting way, that. Uh, again, connects with connects with people inside of your community. Y- you're 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 going to build bridges. You're going to build relationships. And I think the only way that you know everyday Christians are going to have that happen is if it's modeled for them. Um, and, and by the way, Christians like me uh, who may be writing in some of these publications, they're not going to talk about video games in public because they're terrified that it's going to you know get be a knock <laughs> that everyone's going to say mm-hmm. oh you know there's there's the gaming guy he we thought he was serious and so again that that that's going to persuade serious thinkers from either hiding their interest in games or just not engaging with it and so the 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 net sum is if these media organizations don't choose to start writing about games and engaging with them we lose missionally we lose in giving everyday christians frameworks and we lose because you lose some of your best thinkers who who could say something interesting and valuable well they're not going to say anything at all like that's just a total net loss on a massive media format that I think is valuable and really profound and worth exploring so that's for me it's like what what could happen uh, evangelism mission frameworks all of that could happen if these organizations would start talking about it a little bit more
2: Hmm. i mean yeah it's it i think that's that's sort of i i guess i i love the the hopefulness and the optimism here and that's really because like when we started doing this it was like you know you and i had a little bit of a conversation like you asked for like the fifty thousand foot view on what the, the breakdown is and and of course you know um Josh was having technical difficulties. So, none of mm-hmm. you were really able to hear me sound smart for about five minutes.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, um, but and in true backlog breakdown fashion, uh, you know, the elevator pitch, the 30 second pitch, it took the full, you know, 10, 15 minutes of me 10, going minutes. through my tech problems.
2: <laughs> so, um, but I think like the the hope is, and Josh and I have had conversations where it's like, yeah, do we want to see it grow? Do we want to sort of grow our audience? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, like, I just want to, like, if I can just, if we can here at the breakdown sort of give even one or two people like that extra push to maybe think about these things a little more critically, like I'm there, like, and if that's all we ever do it, is we just sort of help like you know, five people sort of rethink this and engage this in, in healthy ways. Like that's, that's cool. So I, I mean, yeah, I I'm just excited. Like I, I guess I'm excited to sort of see where I, I'm excited to see hopefully some of this take root. And I think with guys like you sort of like being out there and it's like, like, you've got a fairly significant platform, You know, and uh, I I just want to encourage you to like, Hey, you know, like sort of take to heart that, that Lewis quote where it says like, you know, as, as he got older, he just, he, he put away the, the childish notion that reading fairy stories was a childish thing. You know, you, you, Hmm. you mentioned Lewis, we actually just the other week talked about that, that, that we sort of talked around that quote, but yeah, man, I, I just, I kind of, I long for the day and 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 not to sort of overemphasize it, but like where we can have like honest and serious discussions about this like you know um yeah me
1: too i'm I'm jealous that you guys get to have a podcast talking about video games I, I would have fun <laughs> having a podcast talk about but that, I think that's where the work is is actually happening is is in podcasts like this and there's and there's obviously other podcasts and people out there trying to do mm-hmm. similar things and you know everybody's on the same team because this is a really thin space where there's not a lot out there and you know my my encouragement you know for for maybe the audience is um one way to level up your your video game uh knowledge experience um is there's actually a lot of really great books Uh, i i'm I'm kind of i'm I'm a weirdo like i do deep dives on things and so like my deep dive for the last probably two years now is I've been reading a lot of books about video games which is super Mm -hmm. weird. I've read histories of video games. I've read books by developers like how do you develop a video game and I'm not I don't want to develop a video game. I'm trying to understand how does this genre function like what are the puzzle pieces that all come together. I picked up there's these excellent books I would highly recommend them by a guy named I think his name is Patrick Hofferman and he he, they're called uh, reverse design. And he goes through some classic games, and he and he looks at how they were designed, and, and sometimes it's like kind of a nitty gritty, you know, into the details of things. But but he's also looking at elements like story and narrative. And so he's got one on Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VI. They're both mm. very very good. He's got one on <laughs> Chrono Trigger, one on Diablo II, one on Half Life. Um, and so if you're if you're a fan of any one of those games. Um, I would really recommend picking it up because that his work started unpacking for me. Like, how do I think about what's happening in a video game as I'm playing it so that I can have interesting conversations with people about the topic and engage with them deeply on the topic who maybe aren't Christian? It's been cool to like see that happen. You know, I I really like Final Fantasy 14. And so I'm on a discord with people in a guild Mm. and. You know, I get to have these really, you know, in-depth conversations about Final Fantasy lore and, and how the stories work and how everything functions. And it's like, I actually have something interesting to say because I've thought somewhat more deeply than just playing the game about the genre. And um, that, that's built credibility, you know? So when they realize, like, I'm a Christian and, you know, the, the, the leader of our guild is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a trans person in Australia, like, but that she's a friend now, you know, and it's like, that's kind of cool that, you know, but it was built on this mutual interest. And, you know, I don't know what God has intended for that friendship, but you know, my prayer is, Hey, just make this a small seed in her life. That's going to draw her to you in, in, in some sense. And so again, like that's, it's a small thing, but like, I, I would actually encourage people like dig in and don't just dig in by playing more games, like dig in by thinking deeply and engaging deeply with the genre. Hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: I like that, man. Well, I think that's probably a, a good place to sort of put put a pin in this conversation. Um, I, you, you know, you, you said that you at some, you're kind of jealous that we get to talk about video games. So I'm going to just sort of throw out an open invitation um you know <laughs> like anytime you you sort of want to come on here and like sort of like uh class us up a little bit like you know i you know I, i'd love to have you on again but let's start to sort of wind It'll it down be fun to come back yeah yeah um but you know we sort of where can the listeners find you on the different sort of platforms
1: yeah, that, that's a great question. I I uh, I limit my social media to Twitter because it's the worst the worst place in the world. <laughs> um, I'm kind of being serious, all. It's also, it's also a joke. Uh, so you can follow me there. It's Patrick K. Miller underscore. Uh, you'll find me on there. I'm easy to find because I have an NFT of myself. I, I don't know what that says about me that I that I did that. Had, <laughs> and it's like hilarious. Like the trolls on Twitter, and there's lots of trolls out there. Like when they want to come, I'm like oh, you're going to take a dude with an NFT of himself serious. And I'm like, well, I kind of write about NFTs, so you know, like that's. You know, I'm not a shill or something, uh, but <laughs> like that's why I did it. Uh, it's not not for for no reason, but whatever. Um, so you can follow me there. Uh, our podcast is called Truth Over Tribe. The book is called Truth Over Tribe. Um, if you are at all interested in how to fight tribalism, or if the podcast isn't so much about fighting tribalism, it's it's more of a cultural commentary uh from a uh anti-tribal place if you will um those are those are things to check out uh but that's that's where you can find me and I, i hope if anybody's listening to this um you know dm me if you have any questions i try to be really responsive on twitter so uh yeah hope hope to connect
2: yeah excellent um josh you know i guess that's sort of you know i i managed this to skip this last time too but uh you know we sort of we
0: do sort of wind down the night, like, you know, where can people find us? So mm-hmm. plenty plenty of different ways. So the first place, you know, we're talking about Twitter. Our handle is at BB Downcast. And I do I I meant to say it at the opening of this, but I I you know, we've just been having such a great time is that I do find it very ironic that we found each other on Twitter, um, where like our our whole thing that we've been talking about is having like good conversations like digging into different things and we found you know why your joke about
2: twitter was funny patrick is because it's true you know it's funny because it's true (laughs) yes yes but like video
0: gaming there are diamonds in the rough right there are there are good things that can come from it possibly sometimes you know if you look really hard just kidding um but i i think it's it's awesome that um Tonight has been awesome. Our conversation has been great. I think this is going to be a great episode as well. Um, But that's Twitter. You can also, if you have more thoughts, you know, you want to shoot our way, have some pushback, you have some more thoughts on this, you think, hey, that was a short episode. Why couldn't you go any longer? Feel free to email us at the backlogbreakdown at gmail.com. We do also have a, a group on Facebook, the hashtag backlogbookclub, and we have a Discord server as well. Link for that is in the description. If you want to get a little bit more personal on the internet, I typically go by Broccolope, and Nate goes by. Nate underscore McKeever. Yeah. That's right. Oh, and I almost forgot we have an Instagram as well, Instagram.com slash the backlog breakdown.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. We're sort of, I I don't know if we're doing any of it well, but we are sort of broadening our social media sort of reach. Um, So now instead of like five listeners, we have six. Um, So. Um, but uh, one listener at a time yeah, yeah, um, so one he, for every year, yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, uh, but you know, Josh, uh, sort of as we are landing the plane, uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you have any shout outs, but I did want to shout out Logan Sharp from the reform gamers uh today in oh, yeah. our discord, dropped a really um I had thrown out that doodle of sort of the the uh the the logo refresh redesign that i had sort of been playing around mm-hmm. with in my head and logan sort of went like he was like hey check this out and he basically threw that into and vectorized it for us and 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 sent us that file so if you're noticing a spiffy new logo on the podcast feed or on our social media stuff it's courtesy of logan so just wanted to say hey dude uh, appreciate that and uh we'll be using that for a little while um I, I i dig it so wanted to give him a shout out how about you josh any shout outs
0: that was pretty awesome. Um, in the past uh, two days, I I can't think of anything that comes to mind outside of memes, and because I don't want to call anyone out on on funny memes, uh, I I don't have anything this time. I'm sorry.
2: Would you have anything you know, sort of as a as a closing shout out, Patrick, that you'd like to just say, hey, hey, check out this one thing, or like shout out to whoever?
1: Well, I want to give a shout out to Silvando from Dragon Quest Eleven for being <laughs> the best character. <laughs> despite the episode, which I was not invited to and I would have defended him. Well, um, you know, we
2: will have to rectify that. I've already, I've already said that. So,
1: <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm just joking. No, uh, any good, any good shout outs out there. Uh, nothing else immediately comes to mind um, other than shouting out this podcast, which I'm excited to share about this on Twitter and uh, it's just like I said, it's, it's, you, you guys are having fabulous conversations on here. And so I think, I think your listeners are, are lucky. So anyway, shout out to all the listeners who, who are part of this community. You guys all sound super cool. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: I think, uh, you know, we'll forego, uh, the sort of the challenge updates and, and the question for tonight. But, uh, there is a question that remains, Josh, and that is, uh, mm-hmm. until next time we, well, we've done the things that we sort of set out to do until next time. What should they
0: do? Guys. Keep eating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. Sounds good to me.